This is the Oil & Gas Startups Podcast, where we showcase emerging technology and the stories of industry founders, investors, and leaders with your hosts, Jake Corley and Colin McClelland. What's up, Colin? What's going on, man? How you doing today? Well, apparently Joey says I look like I want to sleep, so... I know. Said you look like a bum, and I'm all dressed up. You look like Miami Vice. Looking like... <laughs> That's what Samir told me today. He's like, you look like business slash with Miami Vice. I sold you pull up in your white Ferrari this morning. <laughs> Don Johnson over here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so I'm super excited about today's episode. You know, we kind of have a policy whenever somebody comes into our office that we try not to ask any questions, and today's been tough. So we've got Ryan Knuckles and Waylon Johnson with Pump Jack Power. What's up, guys? Not a whole lot. Glad to be here. Yeah, Thanks excited. for having us, guys. So you guys are in town from Austin, correct? We are. That's where our headquarters is? Headquarters is Spicewood, America. Okay. Home of Willie Nelson. Home of Willie Nelson. Absolutely. <laughs> I kid you not. It's a fun fact of the day. I didn't know yep. that. <laughs> his, his ranch is about five minutes from our driveway. Wow. Okay. Yep. About to go visit sometime. Have I'm you sure ever got to meet him. Willie? Not a lot of sightings lately. He's he's getting on up there, and he stays at his little pad that he has on a cul-de-sac in Hawaii with, uh, what's the comedian, Ryan? Kelly Slater and... The other, there's two brothers, but uh, I oh, think he stays it? over there for medicinal purposes. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's the life I wish to live someday too. Willie's yeah. Willie's goals. We used to see him at the Mexican restaurant and places like that. You know? Yeah, that's awesome. So tell us a little bit about Pump Jack Power. As Jake was saying, we were talking a little bit before the microphone started recording, and it sounds like you guys got a really interesting story. So it'll be a good episode. But let's just get a high overview of what Pump Jack Power is and uh, what you guys are doing. Absolutely. I guess, uh, Waylon, I'll, I'll take this if you don't mind. Go for it. Pump Jack Power, we are the uh, first and only retail electricity provider in North America designed to serve uh, wholesale power to the oil and gas industry. Awesome. Yeah, we were talking before we started recording, we were talking about the problems that we have mm-hmm. on our little stripper wells up in Oklahoma with electricity co-ops. And so Absolutely. this is something that Jake and I feel on a deep personal feel, level yeah. feel, the, feel the pain yeah. a little bit yeah, yeah. yeah feel the pain yeah we don't even feel it at a large scale so i can imagine you know yeah. what some of the uh, other operators you know Absolutely. feel on some of these larger operations but mm-hmm. so we actually have you know it, it's two companies right yeah pump mm-hmm. jack power and then it was power infrastructure is that correct power infrastructure partners okay so let's, let's talk about the relationship between those two real quick and dive into that a little bit absolutely so Pump Jack Power, we actually physically supply power to the uh, well site. Our kind of marketing tout is uh, from permit to power flow. So essentially, an operator gives us an XY, kind of gives us their kind of drilling schedule, their kind of their forelonged operation plan, and they give us those XYs, and we physically bring power out to the site. So Pump Jack Power, on this side of the fence, we physically supply power. When we entered into the market back in December, very quickly, all of our customers started asking us questions of, you know, Encore's telling me I got to have this ancillary line built out. I got to have this transformer bank built out and didn't really have the the electrical infrastructure side piece kind of figure out. And so very quickly, Waylon, who is the founder of Power Infrastructure Partners, saw this opportunity to really make it a true turnkey opportunity from permit to power flow. And so Waylon, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself and power infrastructure? Yeah, you know, first of all, it's kind of a family business. Not kind of, it is a family business. So that tells you how tough we all are. We're all family and we're in business together and, and we're doing, doing well. We go to work every day. So uh, that's kind of the good part of the story. My son-in-law and Ryan basically started Pump Jack Power. It was their deal and I got involved as a director. 
And as Ryan said, we basically went out to West Texas where most of our business that we service is, although we can service anywhere in the, in the state of Texas that's deregulated. And so we're out there dealing with the people and, and infrastructure, as you well know, Colin is a problem. Pipelines, you know, uh, gathering systems, all kind of stuff, water, salt water. And so we begin to just, I mean, they're banging on us. These guys are like, please help. I mean, how do we do this? Uh, you know, I can't get a hold to Encore, can't get a hold to AEP, Texas to Mexico Power. And I'm not banging on those guys. I mean, they're public utilities and they were not ready for what happened. I mean, you know, the wave came and, and this, the, the oil boom out there and, and no one was really ready, mm-hmm. uh, especially in infrastructure and midstream. Absolutely. So now we're playing catch up. Mm-hmm. So basically they would look at us and what we figured out is we know the power side. We know I'm 30 years oil and gas operations. So we know the oil and gas side and we know what they need. And it was like two people speaking German and, and Japanese. They, they couldn't talk to each other. Mm-hmm. And I mean, we can go into hours of details that you probably don't want to hear of why that wasn't working. And so we go back to the cave and, and we look at each other and we're all talking mm-hmm. about it. And we got two options. We can look at them and say, we sell power and that's all we do. When you get all this problem solved, come back to us. It's not a good option because you got a chance to reel them in as a customer right there, or we can become part of the solution. So we put PIP together and basically we, we got involved with Encore. They were gracious enough to come down and meet with us. So one of the, I think the number five person. Mm-hmm. Uh, don't want to say names, but came down and met with us. And we had a three-hour meeting with the public utility and said, here's the problems, guys. Now, here's what we think we can do to help. And they're like, where have you been? This is the meeting we've been trying to have with people, and we didn't know how to have the meeting. And we really felt like we found the hole in the donut, you know, that one time. And so that started the, the process. We now have monthly calls with Encore. We meet with TNMP on behalf of oil companies. It's not magic. But we're getting things done where other people couldn't to the point that, you know, we're in a meeting with a guy and he's, he's like, let me understand this. You're telling me you can take me permit to power. All I got to do is give you a lot long, hang the phone up, but I never have to talk to Encore again. I said, yep. He said, where'd I sign? And, and, and that, I, I, I'm not joking. I mean, that was, again, nothing against Encore. But if you don't know how to talk utility to a utility, you're going to cause problems. It to, just causes to give issues. you guys an idea of the load growth in the West Zone, there are four zones in Texas. Texas is basically an energy island. The rest of the United States is basically capacity-driven, meaning that consumers have to pay for generation to basically be online. They're subsidized. And Texas in the ERCOT market, we're basically a zonal market. So there's four zones, West Zone, North Zone, South Zone, and Houston. Houston has its own zone because, of course, Houston's Houston. <laughs> In the West Zone, public utilities in the United States, you know, the last 10 years, we're relatively flat on our power consumption. Most public utilities will grow at a rate of maybe 2 to 3%. That, that's a pretty good number. In the West Zone alone for Encore, they're looking at 15 to 25% load growth year over year. I mean, you're absolutely talking. The shale boom has basically created a power boom out in West Texas. And obviously, the need for infrastructure and power supply is drastic. And so the issues that we're facing is... How can we get ahead of this curve as much as possible and put our position, put our customers in a position to make sure that they have the adequate infrastructure and the true power supply that they need? Awesome. So, you know, I have very little understanding of electricity or energy, mm-hmm. but from what it sounds like, you know, I, I think that we've seen this in the tech space that, 
you know, tech companies have a hard time talking to oil and gas companies. Mm -hmm. So it sounds like right. the, the electricity companies have a hard time, you know, speaking and working with the oil mm -hmm. and gas companies and vice versa. And so you guys are really kind of the middlemen between the two facilitating those, those transactions between the electricity providers and the oil and gas companies. And how does that business model actually work? Because you guys aren't actually, are you, are you actually supplying the power or are you just so a, how, a marketplace in between the two? So not to, not to cut you off, we are absolutely not middlemen whatsoever. So middlemen in this industry would basically be power brokers. Mm -hmm. Power brokers basically go out on a customer's behalf, shop power rates from power providers like Pumpjack Power, MP2, Reliant, and they come back to you with a price. Power brokers basically charge anywhere from like 2 to $5 per megawatt. And then option one power providers add their margin on top of that. So there's anywhere from like 10 to $15 of margin on top of the power price. So what we basically say is, listen, the way that we deliver you power, we guarantee you the cheapest power in the market. So to kind of make this kind of simple in oil and gas terms, Exxon, ConocoPhillips, Valero, Energy Transfer, they're their own retail electricity provider in-house. So what they do is when they want to buy power, let's use Exxon, for instance. All right. So they're developing a field out in Midland County. So when they want power in Midland County, they'll go to their energy trading desk and they'll say, all right, you know, I need uh, power at the uh, call-in number one pad site. All right. Show me the forge strip prices of electricity. What that means is they're looking at a per month base of what the kind of base cost of power is. Base, base power is basically natural gas times a heat rate. And that gives you your base price of energy. So all these generation companies basically put out that information. So they look at that forward strip of electricity, and let's say 15 months term or strip looks to be the best price. So once they have that term or that strip, they basically go to the 13 different generation companies in Texas, make them all bid out at a wholesale level, and they basically buy power at cost and supply themselves internally with no markup. What PumpShack Power is, all we're simply doing is using that model and giving it to these to ENPs these e and midstream and downstream operators. So what we do is, you know, we sit down with you guys, uh, you know, Deep Rock Oil and Gas. We need power at the Collin number one pad site in Midland County. I show you the Ford 36-month strip of power prices. You say, all right, that 15-month strip looks to be the best. Let's comfortable with that. We go direct to the wholesale generation market, and we make all those generation companies bid out on your power. And we basically supply you at cost plus our $5 management fee. And you basically, that's, that's the cost. It's completely transparent. We line item every single expense. The power industry makes the most money off of consumers with misinformation, kind of keeping them in the dark, not really truly knowing what's kind of behind that, that contract price and the terms and whatnot. And so essentially all we're really doing is just supplying operators wholesale power in the same manner that uh, major operators buy their power. And that is direct from wholesale generation companies. We don't use brokers to sell our products or manage our customers. We deal direct with, with, with all of our customers. And by doing so, we can guarantee our service and that quality in the field that operators really need as a true operational part. So you're enabling operators direct access to Absolutely. wholesale power. Wholesale power. 100%. Yep. Yeah. You know, so, you talk about the, the fees and misinformation that comes from electricity providers. And I'm going to call them out by name, Indian Electric Co-op up in Oklahoma. Shots fired. Shots fired. But I mean, it's just, you know, so many fees and, and, and you know, services that aren't line mm -hmm. item. And you're like, yeah. well, you know, what is what that? Is, yeah. Yeah, what is this hundred dollar service fee? What is it allocated mm -hmm. to? And there's absolutely mm -hmm. no communication or transparency to what that's actually. 100%. So let's go back. So. And we obviously we have so many questions about this, but mm -hmm. I have, I really want to dive into y'all story. We, we talked about a little bit before we got on the mic, 
So maybe we start with Waylon. You get a little bit more miles on you, so maybe we go in chronological order. I'm not sure how to take that. <laughs> <laughs> You're Are more highway miles or country miles? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, let's get, yeah, let's get your story, Waylon, just starting from point of inception to where you're at now. Athens, Texas. <laughs> I was born in 1965. <laughs> That's where our, ran- our ranch is right outside of Athens, about 15 minutes outside of Athens. Oh, where, b- cool. Between uh, Chandler and uh, Tyler, Brownsboro. Brownsboro, yeah, right, right in between the two. My family ranch was in Murkison. Oh, nice. Yeah, right there. Yeah, came into the world in Athens, obviously, we now know, <laughs> is the black-eyed pea capital of the world, and we're at Hamburgers were invented. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> it's, you know, childhood was great and had great parents, great family, and, and wound up in Houston in 89, and actually answered an ad in the, in the Houston Chronicle that said, do you want to be an oil man? Call this number. And I call it number. Man, those, those back when ads were good. <laughs> when print was king. Yeah. But it was a brokerage house raising money on the phone, you know. I mean, we had ads. Uh, I remember the, the newspaper out of Giddings, well makes 12,000 barrels a day. It did it for three and a half minutes. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and extrapolated out to 24 hours. A lot of stories. But anyway, my family wasn't in the business. I didn't come from any substance of anything, just good people. And a lot of shin, shin guards and knuckles bruised and... I found out a lot of stories along the way, but the list of people not to do business with is way more important than the list to do business with. And finding those guys that can help you, guide you, you know, it took me a while, but we got there. We've owned operating companies and we've drilled in numerous states and was lucky enough to be in the Bakken play back in 1990. We were literally the third company that started leasing a sizable amount of acreage and did well with that and was blessed. And uh, just kept, kept moving on, kind of brought everything back to Texas, you know, 10 or 12 years ago. I've been in the Austin area since 94 and blessed to be able to live in the Hill Country out by Lake Travis. And it's a family business. Ryan's my son and my son-in-law is the president of Pump Jack Power and my daughters have worked with us and we enjoy that. I, I cherish that. I think that's a blessing to be able to, to do those things. But along the way learning, I think the experience we've had from being an operator and knowing the challenges that are out there and dealing with vendors and then you couple that with the days we live in today. Yeah, we're high tech. We're doing this. We're sitting on this show that's going to go out on YouTube and all these people are going to see it. But, but you're still fighting the fight of getting a call back from somebody, doing mm-hmm. what they're supposed to do, you know? Mm-hmm. And so what I think when you couple all that with, with the two companies we have with Power Infrastructure and, and Pump Jack, there's no company until now. And, and, and I say this with a lot of meaning, guys. When we say that we're the only option to retail electric provider that services the upstream and midstream oil and gas, that's it. There, there might be another one tomorrow, but today we're the only one. And so we've, we, I think I mentioned a while ago, we think we found the hole in the donut, but we didn't reinvent the wheel. Mm-hmm. Kind of like Chick-fil-A. We didn't invent the chicken sandwich. We just made it the best one. <laughs> and so it's been kind of magical along the way, but we got a great team. We have a lot of folks involved that are helping us. And we basically just dig in and we pull all the pieces back and say, okay, w- what's the need? Where do we need the power? How much do you need? And literally we could sit here for hours and tell you stories about when you want power from a utility, you send in a load sheet. Okay. And that load sheet's the beginning of the whole, the whole thing. Well, what has happened over the last three years, all these operating companies have sent in these massive load sheets with all kinds of power needs with the utility thinking that's what they need. That's not what they need today. It might be what they need in five years or believe it or not, you have tire kickers. Guys just want to know if they can get power to a certain area. And so imagine how that clogs the system up and the utility doesn't know how to handle that. They don't know how to process it. 
And so we're, we're just, when you get into a situation where there's a lot of problems and you're patient enough to truly answer the questions Mm -hmm. and put that all back together, that's when you create success. And I think, I mean, if you, if you started polling our customers, we're, we did some videos the other day in Austin and they're kind of like little infomercials of, of answering questions and roundtable discussions. Seven of our customers invited us to come to Midland and film them filming for us talking Mm -hmm. about our company. Our retention rate is 100% from the day we started. Hadn't lost one customer. That's insane. And I'm not, I say that with humility, guys. I mean, we're working hard, but, but that, that tells me we're doing something right. Mm-hmm. And believe it or not, there's some large oil and gas operators out there that they don't have somebody watching the power need. Now, they're starting to. I mean, that's changing out of necessity. That's a, to chime in, Waylon. So Josh Runyon, who's my brother-in-law, he's the president and founder, one of the co-founders of the company. How he basically came up with the idea of Pump Shack Power he had been a successful energy broker out of Dallas, a.k.a. middleman. He had a number of West Texas clients. He had an he had a, a irrigation farmer out in Midland County who had some oil and gas production on his site. And he basically started doing some research into the classification of oil and gas-related meters. So in Texas, you have two types of meters. You have an AMS smart meter that basically reads every 15 minutes and gives you accurate usage and, and billing information. The other type of meter is called a scalar meter. A scalar meter basically settles its usage at, at the end of the month. And there's these meter profiles that basically show how you use power across a uh, 24-hour period. So basically just looking at this, these are different meter types of classifications. And so you can kind of see that, that, that spike in usage. Mm-hmm. That basically is dealing with the weather sensitivity in the market. So oil and gas, production platforms, assets, pumping units, whatever, they do not respond to weather factors. So responding to a weather factor would be like you guys getting home today at 5 o'clock, kicking up your AC when it's getting hot. You're going to have that, sp- that spike in usage. Oil and gas accounts consume a high amount of power, but on a consistent flat load. And so what uh, Josh found through dealing with this customer and kind of researching the type of meter classifications is he found a report that Pioneer Natural Resources basically put out in 2003 right after deregulation hit. It basically showed where Pioneer got 10,000 random wells together, and they show the homogeneity where these these wells are consuming a high amount of power, but consistent month-to-month usage with no spike in usage. But these meter classifications that are being assigned to these assets are showing too much peak usage. We're getting hit for on-peak demand charges way too much. So they submitted this report to ERCOT, and they basically, ERCOT came back about two years later and said, you know what, you're absolutely right we've created the business oil and gas flat load profile for the oil and gas industry. ERCOT did not mandate that power providers had to properly classify these assets. And so obviously Pioneer spent millions of dollars on this report. They're not going to go out and market it to other oil companies, you know, to, to, to get this done. And so Josh found this report, the report, a majority of it was created by a name, gentleman, the energy manager, Pioneer Natural Resources, Jim Uhelski is a huge, he's been a huge mentor to us, huge friend. And Josh just straight up called him one day and said, hey, man, you know, I found this report, got some uh, questions for you, and they hit it off. They talked for like four and a half hours. And so basically, Jim looked at him and said, the oil and gas industry basically subsidizes the rest of the volatile energy consumers in Texas. And we're not getting the true cost that we should be getting. We're not getting the true term, the bilateral terms that we should be getting. And we're definitely not getting the, in, the, the direct field service that we should be getting. And so instantly, you know, a light bulb went off in Josh's head and said, why not? And so he basically started doing a bunch of his research and basically just found where there are predominantly two types of power providers in the state of Texas. There's an option one, and there's an option two. 
an option one power provider, which is a Reliant TXU MP2. They are licensed to service a geographical area, i.e. Texas. They can service any of the 28 million power consumers in Texas in that geographical area. The other type of power provider is an option two power provider, which is what we are. An option two power provider has to specifically identify their customers with the Public Utility of the Council of Texas. We are the first to specifically designed to serve the oil and gas industry in Texas. And so, like I said earlier, other types of option two power providers, Energy Transfer, ConocoPhillips, Exxon, these major operators who basically buy direct from wholesale, have their own terms and are basically felicitating their own services in the field. And so we're basically, we're just giving that model to small and large EMP companies and midstream operators and downstream operators. That's so interesting. So, you know, essentially these oil and gas companies were consuming all this electricity mm-hmm. and they were falling outside of the classifications of what the, the electricity providers had said. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, like I'm kind of curious by the relation or, you know, how Pioneer, you know, they, they allocate, you know, several million dollars to mm-hmm. do this research. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you said that they didn't exactly want to go and give that research to every other yeah, I mean, it's public, it's company. public information, but they didn't yeah. market it out to people. Yeah. yeah and so, you know, how is that? I'm trying to like wrap my head around it. So Pioneer spends that money on it and then they go, you know, did they take that to, what did you say? What was the regulatory body? Was it? Is it? The Public Utility Council of Texas. Okay. PUC. So, so, so PUC, their job is basically like the railroad commission for the utility industry. Okay. ERCOT's job is basically to sit over, there's four basically utilities in Texas. You've got Encore, you've got AEP, you've got Texas New Mexico Power, and you have Centerpoint here in Houston. Okay. And so ERCOT's job is to essentially maintain reliability of the grid and make sure everyone kind of plays by the rules and there's enough adequate generation in the market to serve customers. Okay. And. This is super interesting. <laughs> it gets pretty deep. Yeah. I don't know shit about electricity, so I'm just like over here just trying to consume everything. I didn't know okay. you could say shit on a podcast. Well, I can say whatever I want, man. It's my podcast. All right. <laughs> the, okay. You're most. Yeah. Get a little more comfortable. So it's, it's actually interesting. Let's rewind a little bit mm-hmm. going back into Waylon's story because you talked about your assets up in the Bakken. And, you know, a lot of people, when they think of Harold Ham, you know, they mm-hmm. think of him as the original Wildcatter up in the Bakken and Harold Ham actually bought those assets from you guys, right? You were, you were the he, number three. There was a, I think the deep, the deep vertical play was Red River, I believe back okay. in the day. Yeah. And you know, Continental had been up there a long time. Yeah. I mean, they, they had a presence without a doubt in Montana, North Dakota, but we pretty much set them off. I mean, they teed That's their awesome. ball right off of our tee. <laughs> That's it awesome, was, man. That's was, a hell of a was story. Yeah. yeah, it was. It's a lotto ticket, man. Yeah, it's great. You know, having that experience that you have. You know, you understand the pain points that come with operating assets, and you know, just being out there. So, Ryan, let's go a little bit into into your story. So, you said it was Josh is your brother in law, mm-hmm. and he's the one he's the broker for electricity. So, obviously, you know, he understands this side of the business very well. Let's talk Absolutely. a little bit about your background and kind of leading up to this point, what you've done. Absolutely. Waylon came into my life when I was uh, 13 years old. Two years before that, I had lost my dad. He was a uh, oil field worker. He kind of had a uh, work-related accident, actually saved a guy out of a fire, pulled him out, jumped. As he was pulling him out, he basically kind of fell onto his knee and tore his ACL and actually had a blood clot that formed through surgery and woke up one morning when he was taking me to school and passed away. So that was a very tough time in my life. I was living in Austin at that time. So we moved to Houston. Waylon got hooked up with my mom. and I don't say it like that. (laughs) Your mom, I see this. (laughs) And basically, yeah, Waylon came into my life when I was 13. And kind of as he came into my life, you know, this stuff with the Bakken kind of started to unfold. And so I kind of got to be there for that and kind of experience it. And very quickly, 
and I realized, you know, I want to be in the oil business. I want, I want to be an oil man. And so I'll never forget the first time that you, Way- needed, you needed that ad though. Wayland saw you want to be an oil man. <laughs> oh, trust me. This story gets good. He, he thinks this happens every uh, day now. <laughs> and so I remember telling Wayland, they said, all right, you, know, you want to be an oil man? I'll make an oil man out of you. And so I remember one time, the first time he ever let me go work on the rigs with my mom was like, you're not going to go work on it. We're going to cut your hand off and da, da, da. This is really and good. And so Wayland uh, was like, all right, all right, I'll let you know. This is like in the summertime. I just finished school. And stayed out a little little too late one night and uh, came in right before the crack of dawn. And Waylon come busted into my room and said, you need to be in Sugar Land in four hours. You'll be on the rig and da-da-da-da. <laughs> I showed up to that rig and that was probably the hardest week of my life. Thrown up a couple times and really getting adequated to the uh, life as a roughneck. But grew up working for Waylon uh, throughout high school. Kind of quickly through that, realized I wanted to go to business school and keep it on the white collar side of things. <laughs> so I got done with uh, LSU in 2013. Uh, after I graduated LSU with a business degree, I went to the University of Houston, got my associates in petroleum land management, and then basically went to work for Wayland. kind of started off as a project manager, and then really kind of quickly worked my way up to the vice president of business development, basically just marketing our drilling deals to other family offices, and did that, had some success. During the downturn, we kind of shifted and realized that we kind of wanted to get in the produce water business. So we opened up a, a SWD business down in Eagleford, which we still have today, Kind of during that time, Josh came into our lives, Josh Runyon, the founder of uh, Pump Jack, and he kind of presented this opportunity and said, man, this is kind of the idea I have. You know, I know you're a young go-getter with some starting to get some good contacts underneath you. And so I just looked at him and kind of did my research. And so I said, wow, you know, there's really no power provider really there in the market designed to serve the oil and gas industry. And so uh, Josh and I uh, sat down with Waylon and looked at him and said, this is something that we really need to do. And this was basically in kind of middle to late 2017. We got our funding in early 2018, and then uh, we had to go through a kind of our ERCOT test flight to make sure we interacted with the market properly. And uh, we officially entered the market back in December, and we have been uh, selling power since. To date, we have close to uh, 30 operational partners, predominantly in, in, in West Texas. Yeah, and that's kind of the story of how we got here today. That's awesome, man. I didn't know mm-hmm. you were roughneck, so... I thought, I thought you were going to tell him about when I sent him to Corsicana, Texas, and no. he lost 30 pounds in, in about three weeks. Dude, people, yes. My offensive Pain line tanks. coach wasn't too happy I, with me. Pain tanks. I tell people that all the time. My first month roughnecking was right in the summer yeah. and in West Texas, and I lost 30 pounds yeah. that first you, month. You, you got to have respect for those guys, man. Absolutely. They, they work hard. Yeah. Hard. Mm-hmm. I don't think a lot of people know it, and you know, until you've been out there doing it, it's a different type of work. So. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll, it'll drive you to go to business school. And <laughs> but, I mean, to the hindsight, you know, looking back, obviously it was a little bit painstaking there. But to really understand the full operational process, the oil and gas life cycle, I think it's it's obviously not only helped me in the power supply side of things, but be able to, to effectively communicate with our customers and kind of know what's going on with them, you know, it just helps us to get so much ahead of the curve. Absolutely. I mean, this is something we talk about this time after time on the podcast, you mm-hmm. know, when it comes to tech companies. Mm-hmm. Oil and gas operators do not want to deal with tech companies that work in horizontal columns. They want vertical focused oil and gas mm-hmm. solutions. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, that are coming from oil and gas guys that understand mm-hmm. the business from both sides. Right. And so to see, you know, obviously you guys have extensive oil and gas background and then you, you know, you you come up with this model that services the oil and gas on the electricity side just makes a ton of sense, right? Mm-hmm. Here here's kind of the weird part, Colin, is this is strange to me to say it this way. Pump Jack is truly a disruptor mm-hmm. in the sandbox. Okay. If that's the sandbox out there, the power guys and, and the operators, we have disrupted the market. And the way we disrupted the market 
is with transparency and truth. I mean, that I'm, I'm still processing this. I'm still trying yeah. to go, really? A lot of guys, a lot of operators in the industry use a power broker to basically go out and to manage their power business. So obviously, kind of like I said before, you know, power brokers go out to different power providers, you know, get their price, add their margin on top. You don't really know the true cost. You can't really control the terms because you're not negotiating directly, you know, with, with the power provider. And then when it comes to in-the-field service, you know, basically to service a mass market, these option one power providers, to service the 28 million power, go after the 28 million power consumers in Texas, they have to rely on these basically energy brokers to go out and bring them business. Right. And so by doing that, a lot of the times, you know, you're not getting the true cost, you're not getting the true terms. And when it comes to service, hey, what happened to that load sheet or where are we at with this project? It's, oh, well, you know, the, the rep didn't submit it or you know, it's just by, by dealing direct and, and bringing that truth and transparency, we've just absolutely made things more efficient and more direct. And well, I mean, traditionally, it's a broken model, right? If the, if, the broker, if the brokers are incentivized in a way that compromises them to where, you know, it's not really in the best interest for the operators. And then the operators are handcuffed and their hands yep. are tied on what they can actually do Absolutely. and what they can access. So, mm-hmm. I mean, you just look at it and the model's broken, you know, from top to bottom. So mm-hmm. only question I have is why hasn't someone done this earlier? You know? <laughs> so you guys, you guys started, you guys launched it in December, 2018. Is that mm-hmm. correct? Is no, what you no. said? Well, December 17 is, is when, is when we put everything together. We got full funding and I guess spring, Mm-hmm. early 18 and and really really open pandora's box you know about mid 18 give or take okay and then you said that you had to go through like a, a testing process with ERCOT. is it ERCOT? is it with a t at the end yes ERCOT. ERCOT. okay what is what does that process look like because i'm it, sure that's pretty it's strenuous. basically just how we interact so we have to prepay all of our customers transmission fees and then obviously we blow out for that transmission fees at the end of the month. It's just for us to make sure that our system and our processes you know, work correctly and interact with them. One of our other partners, his name is uh, Tomo Lampinen. He is from Finland. He is basically a computer wizard. The guy is just absolutely genius. Brilliant. He's sold several companies to Xerox. Very, very How'd you get linked up with him if he's in Finland? <laughs> on, the jo- t- on the tennis court. On the tennis court in Austin, Texas. You never know. Josh. Austin, you never know. <laughs> you never know. <laughs> yeah. Got to keep your eyes open at all times. <laughs> I tell everybody that you just never know, I, you know, who you're going to meet, they, you know, playing, playing tennis. Yeah. He overheard, Tomo overheard him talking and about something. He walked up and he said, that sounds kind of high tech or something. And Josh like, yeah, it's his power. This And he said, well, man, I'm looking for something to hang out and do. And he was taking care of his two-year-old, I mm-hmm. think. And they just hit it off, just kind of what you guys were saying earlier when we were chatting, and, and he's, he's awesome. Tomo, basically, there's a lot of data management uh, in the power supply a side ton, of things. A ton. So basically what Tomo did for us, he built out a full kind of CRM platform for us. Mm-hmm. So we have literally every single registered operator in Texas. We have a, You can click on them, see all of the nodes, all of the data. But we actually get the usage history data from all of our customers and any customers wanting to potentially be a customer. With this data, we actually can put it into our platform. And the first step of our operational process is we do an energy analysis on all your electricity accounts. So the first thing we do is we analyze all of your meters to identify where those misclassified meters are showing that on-peak usage. And then the next thing we do is we analyze all of the transmission billings associated to your accounts to identify any potential overbillings. And then lastly, we kind of do an operational review seeing where you need infrastructure or any, any, any support in the field. Kind of remember what I told you guys earlier about how ERCOT didn't mandate that these big option one power providers had to properly classify these meters. And so, like I said, the first step of our process is to identify any potential issues if they're there. When we came out to West Texas, we thought we might find a couple of misclassified meters there, a couple of issues. 
To date, we have found close to 5,000 misclassified meters out in West Texas and several million dollars of utility overbillings. And so, you know, the first thing that all of our customers had said to us, and it's just like, how has no one identified this for us before? It's because these option one power providers are so focused on the mass market. They're not solely focused on your day-to-day individual needs. Something like as simple as a meter classification. So do energy providers hate you guys? They're like, hey, you're... <laughs> Just so you know, you, they, you might get some negative what? feedback on that. No. <laughs> no, you're, ex- you're exposing our, our you know, multi-million dollar over, overcharge. Yep. Does, <laughs> your, does your hate mail go to a P.O. box? Yeah. Just forward it along to us, guys. They, I mean, that's what I said about being a disruptor. We're not, we're not causing trouble. We're, we're spreading, spreading truth and transparency and showing you, hey, here's this, here's that. We'll fix it. And like Ryan said, these utilities, they don't, they don't have time. Mm-hmm. They're, they're not going to go out of their way to, to worry about, you know, 100 meters out of 350 in, in one particular account. Yeah. But we've ran this report. We joke, we joke at our office, mm-hmm. what is that report worth? We do it for free because we want your business. We, we put a lot, a lot out there to you to get you to come to us. And we've ran some of these reports for a company where the savings were over seven figures a year. Yeah. Just in that report alone. I mean, the value proposition is so strong for you guys, right? Mm-hmm. Because, I mean, you, you're you so heavily favored towards the operator and mm-hmm. saving right. them money. So, Absolutely. I mean, it's a really easy sell for you guys to so partner up with. Quick, so, quick question. Obviously, with y'all, we, so for those of you who don't know, me and Ryan, it got linked up through us doing consulting mm-hmm. in the SWD space. And so, that's how we got linked up with you. Really with Kurt. Yeah, I know that. Yeah, Kurt <laughs> yeah. Kenawitz. Kurt and was then, actually one of our partners in that saltwater disposal business. Yeah, I was going to yeah. ask if you guys mm-hmm. knew him since he was down there. We know, we know Kenawitz. Is he still bald? Is he still bald? He's still, he's still, <laughs> love you, Kurt, if you're watching this. <laughs> There's the first piece of hate mail. <laughs> uh, Kurt, I don't know if that'll be a piece of hate mail. Kurt will get uh, on the phone real quick. He'll be yeah. calling us up. Yeah. <laughs> so, are you guys also providing power to commercial SWDs or is it specific just to operators? No, absolutely. Several other cuppers uh, that okay. we serve, working with several others as well. Okay. Yeah. I remember Kurt's mm-hmm. over his deck and remember seeing y'all's like section in there as well. So mm-hmm. I figured I would just ask. We, we pretty cool. much, we're upstream and midstream. So, I mean, even if it was uh, like a gathering company, you know, and they had transmission lines and gathering lines, they got pump stations, no problem. I mean, mm-hmm. if, you know. We're yeah. also working with some downstream operators as well. We're trying to work with a, a new uh, fuel refining facility out in West Texas as well. Perfect. Oh, really? mm-hmm. cool. That's if, awesome. If they run pumps and motors and power, you know, and they're in the oil field, then we're, we're pretty much there. That's in your scope. Yeah. And so mm-hmm. do you guys, you know, with the power infrastructure partners, it, are you guys actually providing infrastructure services as well? You know, whether it's, uh, you know laying out the power lines or, or whatever we, it may be. We literally design, we go stake survey, we build poles and wires, transformer banks, pad mounted transformers. We're in the pre, that is, pre that's on the PIP side. Yeah. That's what yeah. It is. yeah. 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 Optimus primes. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> we're actually just launching into uh, designing two substations. We're in a really special project with a company that we can't talk about. And obviously we have to sign CAs with a lot of these companies. Mm-hmm. And, but we do, I mean, when Ryan says permit to power, Literally, a company could call us today and say, "Hey, we want to we want to test test flight you. I need three megs at X marks the spot, lat long, and I need it in six months." And they could hang the phone up, and we go to work, and it's there, it's done. Yeah. How, how we've gotten a majority of our business guys, you know, nearly everyone, you have to have power for your operations. Mm-hmm. And so, when we first came into the market, obviously everyone's under a power contract. Well, obviously, which was a little tough. And there's been quite a bit of kind of some reconditioning that we've had to do in the market, trying to show, hey. Now, all we've done, guys, is just segue off the oil and gas industry from the rest of the 29 million power consumers mm-hmm. and just created a better new avenue. Mm-hmm. And that, that's, that's just really it. Yep. 
And so there's obviously been a little bit of a reconditioning, but everyone we've talked to is under a power contract. And so how we've gotten majority of our business is new load opportunities saying, hey, you know what, give us a PME or two and let us show you what we can do. And so one of our first customers was a, was a really respected uh, Midland-based operator, and they had been using an energy broker, tried to set up accounts and maintain accounts, couldn't get any answers, had basically tried to get a PME set for close to a year, just kept getting this. They gave us that PME project, and in four and a half weeks, we had power flow to that site. And it's literally just about accountability and proactive management with these load projects and truly using our, our, our platform and using our hard, hard work to basically kind of meet in the middle. We actually had Encore, we were on a conference call with them, and they go, how do you know where all those load sheets are? You're telling us stuff we don't know. And we explained our platform, what we're doing, and how we're managing and tracking those because according to the PUC, the utilities have so many days, they have to respond to certain segments of what you're doing. All we're doing is holding them accountable. Nobody ever has. How long are those uh, contracts typically in oil and gas? Because I could see that being a big barrier, like you're saying. So how it usually works, you know, we get that new load and our hope is to basically, you know, win them over so much. So when they're existing, their historical contract expires, they just, they just move that, the mm. power supply over to us. But yeah. typically, you know, we see anywhere from three to four years, sometimes five, a lot of energy brokers, since we've kind of entered in the market, they've been really pushing 10-year contracts on operators. And so basically, what we're seeing right now in the West Zone, we still have transmission being built out. We still have generation being built out. Uh, to kind of give you guys a kind of market overview right now, uh, we've had several coal plant closures close in, in the last 18 to 24 months. And so that's kind of caused short-term power prices to kind of spike up a little bit. Right now in Texas, we have the smallest reserve capacity margin in the history of ERCOT. So basically what that means is there is kind of the anticipated demand and then the supply of, of energy. So like this summer, the peak forecasted load is supposed to be about 75,000 megawatts with a reserve margin of about 79,000 megawatts. So a very tight margin, about 8.6%. If we have intense heat factors or anything, I mean, we'll absolutely have brownouts and, brownouts and congestion fees will absolutely get, uh, get really costly. But um, kind of going back to kind of the, the uh, contract terms, Power brokers are literally trying to get operators into these long, you know, eight and ten year agreements. What power brokers won't tell you is that they get paid seventy five to ninety percent of those contracts up front. So they're incentivized to get you into those long term contracts. When all what we're doing is we're showing you the forward strip of, hey, you know, I'll show you all the way out to sixty months if you want to see it. Select your term and then we'll go to the generation market, guarantee the cheapest power in our MSA and supply it to you. We put everything on the table. We're totally customizable with our with our customers and willing to do really what any term length or type of contract they'd like to do. And that's pretty cool for you guys because in these early stages, you know, mm -hmm. most of your work is from new loads. And so as those contracts or those prior contracts expire mm -hmm. over the next three to five years, then you know, that workload's gonna increase exponentially for you guys as Absolutely. they switch over. So it'll increase a lot and, and we're we're pretty conservative. I mean, eight, ten years is a long time. And, you know, 24, 36, 40 month type deal. We think there's a lot of things going to change in generation. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The power market's going to really cycle around and, and we want our customers to be in a position to take advantage, take advantage of that. Of it, absolutely. And probably the most important thing is we get paid every month when you pay your bill. So we mm -hmm. earn your business every month mm -hmm. with service and quality. And I think, I mean, it's important. Well, where's the motivation? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Our motivation is every month to do a good job. So we get paid. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So let's talk about the, like the back end of the operations. So 
you know, have you guys actually built a a platform? So say that a, an an operator is listening to this, they want mm-hmm. to work with you guys. Mm-hmm. What does the process look like? Is this is this still a manual process where they're working like with an account rep at Pumpjack Power, or is there an online platform where they can go and facilitate all of this? How does it work? I don't think we can even log into Indian. I think we literally just get a bill currently from Indian, and it's like one line item, and here's your fee, and pay it, it, and pay it will shut pay your power no off. power. Yeah, yeah there's <laughs> yeah. Exactly. They actually sent us a text. That was a. <laughs> yeah, we we changed bank accounts and we didn't realize it, and so it, it didn't draft. Right. And oh, they'll send a text when I was like, "Man, that's they pretty don't high get their tech. money." Yeah, yeah. 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 direct communication. <laughs> mm-hmm. Our process so far, and I'm not going to say it won't change, but so far it is absolutely hands on. I mean, you can go to our website, you can click, you can send us an email, you can call us, you know, the old fashioned way, or you could text us. But everybody, Ryan made a comment a while ago. We don't use brokers. We don't use aggregators. There's several reasons, and he mentioned a couple of them, but, but the biggest one to us is service. If you call our company and you want to speak to someone about power, you're either going to speak to a senior person that's been there from day one, that's part of our team, mm-hmm. or you're going to speak to an owner of the company. Our customers have our cell numbers. This is the oil and gas business, guys. Mm-hmm. You know, we don't, you know, well, nowadays, the, Rig's actually <laughs> shut down for Christmas. It's the people business. Uh, right. But, I mean, we're 24-7. Mm-hmm. And so you're, you're dealing and, and that, that's, pro- that's probably slowed our growth a little bit, maybe, but we're totally okay with that. Yeah. We want the service and the quality. Mm-hmm. And Ryan also made a comment about the details, man, there's details mm-hmm. is there details. And that's what this platform, that platform is the heartbeat of who we are. All of our, I mean, you two guys knowing nothing about an account could walk into Ryan's office open up the screen, read what's going on with this guy, and you'd know exactly where you're at, and you could pick the phone up and call him and start talking. That's how important that platform is to us, and obviously no one else has that. We built it. It's ours. And so if you want to buy power from us or do business with us, you pick the phone up and call us, and we call you back. And that's the biggest thing. And these option one power providers, they have a call center, and they, you know, they have to go through 15 automated messages to get somebody on the phone. I mean, just that direct, instant gratification of, Hey Ryan, power's out here. Da, da, da. Okay, I got on Pong Encore, and I'm sending live live feeds. It's just that direct communication makes the biggest difference. I, I think so many. We've talked so much about this because we've dealt with uh, just some nightmare stories with different like merchant processors on for online payments and mm-hmm. then uh, banks, mm-hmm. and just the customer service experience is really there's there isn't one. Mm-hmm. There is no customer service. You know, yeah. you call, you can't you can't get a hold of anybody. You get constantly get rerouted. The calls get dropped. You're passed from department to department. You're dealing with multiple reps at once, and they're looking at the same account, but they're not on the same page. I think so many companies, especially, I guess I'm, I'm assuming just in the power business, they get so big and they get so complacent, mm-hmm. and service Without just kind of they the service just falls to the wayside. Well, it's a trend too, with you know, especially in the SaaS, the software as a startup or service industry is you can't just call anyone. Yeah, you know, all of them are either through help desk or contact yeah. forms, and it's funny, you know, Jake was talking about like issues that we've had with Stripe you know, mm-hmm. a payment processor, right. not releasing money to us after two months. And, you know, the CEO is on Twitter. He's all bragging about some of the accomplishments they made. And I'm retweeting it. I'm like, <laughs> hey, motherfucker, why don't you build out some customer service yeah. processes? Where's my money? It, yeah, it'd be a lot better company <laughs> then. So, you know, and I think that oil and gas does, you know, this, this industry is very relationship driven, mm-hmm. right? Big and so people want to be able to get on the phone talk to 100%. someone that's senior or the owner of a company. Like yep. if you get the owner of a company on, on a phone, like, you know, they're going to be customers for life. Yeah. hundred percent. It's mm-hmm. and, and that's, I mean, that's, we just inundate them with that, man. And, yeah. and then we've learned that the hard way from, mm-hmm. from both sides of the coin. And you know, what we're discussing is a huge, you know, worldwide problem. It's, it's not, it's not oil field, 
but this is a personal business. I mean, once you get on board with us, I mean, we get to know who you are. I know, I know families, children, you know, we go to different gatherings and things and, and, you know, if, if, if they're a great customer and you're doing a good job, there's going to be a friendship. It just happens. You know, yep. it's just part of the deal. And so we feel like we're creating bonds of things and, and, and feel like we're really doing a good job and the right job. It, it, it makes a difference. Yep. It really does. So you guys are operating in Texas predominantly. Does, are you able to do this in other states right now? Is it something that, that's able? So we to- can only sell power in deregulated power markets. So the really only other states we're kind of looking at and expanding potentially is like Ohio and Pennsylvania, kind of up in the Marcellus. So are all markets not deregulated? Power markets? Nope. No, really? No, okay. unfortunately not. Yeah. So I mean, let's, can we dive into that a little bit? Yeah, absolutely, for sure. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Tell us. Okay, tell us. A little we don't know bit about, shit yeah. about deregulation, so let's <laughs> let's start there. <laughs> well, back once upon a time, there was Texas Power and Light. <laughs> Basically, before deregulation happened in Texas, and this is kind of the model across the majority of the United States, is everything's a public utility. So they own the generation, the poles and wires to the end user, and so you have very limited customer service. You have no alternative choice of who you can buy power from. You're basically bound like you guys are in Oklahoma to that resource. And Mm -hmm. so obviously a majority of the markets in America are capacity driven markets. What basically that means is, and I talked about a little earlier, is that suppliers of electricity basically have to guarantee the generation being there. And so that they have to charge customers subsidies that they have to pay for to ensure that those plants being online and operating. So a lot of times, you know, you'll have a a coal plant or a nat gin facility basically just sitting there idle, not not doing anything, and you're having to pay for it. In Texas, we're not like that. Uh, we're basically a zonal market, basically meaning by per zone in Texas, you know, there might be a, a facility running 100% capacity or there might run in 20% capacity. So, you know, we are very blessed to live in the greatest nation in Texas, <laughs> nation <laughs> of Texas, excuse me. But we really truly are an energy island in Texas separated from the grid. And there's, um, there's people trying to basically make um, Texas a part of the capacity-driven market. And we are definitely fighting against that to try to keep us truly a zonal market and a kind of an energy island. So interesting. I didn't, I didn't know that. Mm-hmm. I didn't know that Texas was independent from the rest of the Yeah, the, the ERCOT grid, so. which serves about 85% of Texas, is completely separate from the rest of the uh, grid in the United States. I mean, literally, you got power lines running right up to the border of New Mexico, and boop, we stop. Can't go across the line. Wow. So if we wanted to mm-hmm. secede, we have no power issues. Exactly. <laughs> ready to roll, baby. Where do we sign for that? <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, that, that, you know, kind of looking at this from a macro standpoint, that creates the perfect opportunity for you guys to mm-hmm. come into the market Absolutely. because you wouldn't, you know, you know, even if we had this power issue out in West Texas and, you know, if we were a regulated market, you wouldn't have the opportunity to mm-hmm. run a business model like this. So no, absolutely not. Interesting. And that's, and that's why you can, you know, go, go online and for your home, you can uh, choose to, I mean, you, there's 50 people you can buy power from. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can't do that. Basically in any other state, like Ryan said, Ohio and Pennsylvania are, are, are kind of a hybrid type deal. Yeah. But the other guy, you know, I, I don't know much information about why other states haven't chosen to do something different. Yeah. Deregulation. You, I mean, what year, Ryan? Just incumbents. <laughs> deregulation happened in Texas, Senate Bill 7 in 2001. So we've been enjoying the deregulated make power market in Texas for roughly the last 18 years. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've never lived outside of Texas as an adult, so I haven't had to buy electricity anywhere else. So I there just thought go. that was standard. Well, that thankfully, I could. you don't live in California, where they have just absolutely driven the power market into into the absolute ground. I mean, you have rolling brownouts because they're a capacity-driven market, yet their power consumption is exceeding what their available capacity yeah. is. 
Interesting. There's a lot mm. of reasons I don't want to live in California. So that's just <laughs> one on the list. But <laughs> so, you know, you have pump jack power, you have power infrastructure. How many, you know, I assume the infrastructure piece of this you, would require a lot of, you know, personnel. You know, it sounds like a pretty big operation to be running mm-hmm. flux capacitors and optimus <laughs> <laughs> prime. Yeah. So how many guys are you are you running on the team for pump jack power? How big is the operation at the infrastructure portion? Are you guys kind to, of growing? To talk about pump jack power, currently in office we have uh, roughly a staff of about twelve people. Okay. We have a support staff outside the office of an additional twenty, so about thirty people in total. And then Waylon on the power infrastructure side. PIP is, uh, Colin, we took a different route. We we chose going into this that we didn't want to have bucket trucks and pole trucks and, you know, pole digger trucks and all those things. And so we backed up, went out to some of our resources. I pulled, talked to a lot of my buddies and guys, and we came up with about a half a dozen very, I mean, you know, marquee five-star type vendors. And uh, I don't want to name any names to just to be cautious, but uh, we went and interviewed with them, spoke with them, picked two or three of those. And one of them in particular has been around 58 years. They have about 150 employees. They have every, every, I didn't even know there were engineers with these names. I mean, they have every kind of engineer you can imagine, like a Crayola box. (laughs) We've become one of their largest clients in the last six months, basically. And so the guts and feathers, if you will, of PIP is myself. Josh obviously is the president of Pump Jack, but he also works on this side. He's a co-founder of PIP with with me. And we have literally one, two, I have one full-time in the office, a couple others that help us. Everything else is contractor. Yeah. And, and That's we, smart, though. It's capital intensive if you're not running off that model, right? Exactly. Mm-hmm. But what it does, it allows us to truly just focus on the job and the service. Mm-hmm. And now, now you get a bad contractor, obviously you got a problem. Mm-hmm. And so far we've been very fortunate. I mean, we've got some really good folks and, and the work we're doing. I never thought I'd stand out in the field and look up at a power line that had just been built and say, man, that looks good. <laughs> <laughs> look at those crossbars, how straight they are. You start to see beauty in things, <laughs> you know. Yeah, it's weird. Uh, it's like, you know, once you work in the oil field, you know, if you're not from the oil field, it's yeah. just like a bunch of ugly pump jacks yeah. and drilling yep. rigs. But yep. once you're out in the field, you know, you have a different well, that's uh, a nice perception. ESP set. I think right yeah, exactly. <laughs> but, but that that's just the approach we chose and and so far you know we're we're i don't know eight technically eight months nine months in and it's working out really great that's awesome really so great. you know before we kind of wrap up the, the show you guys are working with uh 30 operators out in the permian mm-hmm. is that correct so mm-hmm. what do you kind of see you know what are your goals before the end of 2019 as far as uh growth i know you guys are kind of you know taking it slow and focusing on quality but you guys have any goals that you're trying to hit before 2019 in specific yeah, absolutely. I think uh, one of our goals is definitely get to uh, about 50 customers. You know, we want to grow the right way. We don't want to grow too fast, but obviously, you know, we're definitely growth oriented and really just keep that growth projected up. But really the biggest thing we're, we're focused on is, is doing good work. And I think that's that's really what's going to make us a true force in this in this space and really help grow our company. Let's add on to that real quick. So you're looking to grow to 50 operators. I don't know if we've mm-hmm. talked about this or not, but if any operators are listening, do you guys have any ideal company sizes that you're looking to work with or are your services available to any size of operator? Basically on the power supply side, there is a little bit of a minimum we have to, we kind of have to adhere by mm-hmm. on the PUC. But really, any operator with north of fifty wells, you know, we can we can really work with and supply power to them. Yeah, absolutely. There's a there's a it's not a cap, but it's a it's a collar. It's a bottom mm-hmm. of a of a megawatt of usage to be the option to rep and to qualify through the. You know, we had to do paperwork with the PUC and certificates mm-hmm. and all that kind of stuff. 
And so that's, that's kind of where Ryan, you know, we, we love to help anybody, but it comes to a point where by regulation, we can't go below that. Gotcha. And that's kind of that benchmark as far as large, you know, as Ryan mentioned, some of the big boys, Exxon and Chevron and those guys, you know, they're, they're their own option to rep. What this allows the, all those other, I mean, there's companies out there that are several billion dollar companies and they don't have an in-house power department. Well, guess what? You can have one. You can have an option to rep and we don't even take up office space. Mm-hmm. Okay. We're, we're down the hall in the other building, so to mm-hmm. speak. And that's what we really, we offer that same thing that he gave the, that Ryan said about Exxon. We offer that to any operator of that size or that magnitude to be able to go straight to the wholesale market and buy wholesale power and be shown the exact prices right in front of you. And it's a massive market for those companies, right? I mean, mm-hmm. Ryan, yes. we were just talking about this earlier. You know, you told me about some operator that you were meeting with and I was like, oh, I've never heard of them. You know, you can be in the space and learn about a new operator every week and they're not small operators. You know, a lot no. of them could be, you know, private equity backed with, Absolutely. you know, $500 million in assets, but there's such a large market there to be served that don't have those in-house power departments. Colin, there, there's been so much private equity money dumped in West Texas, not only with operators, but you guys were, you know, you brought up uh, saltwater disposal, midstream type stuff. Mm-hmm. I mean, it seems like a new one's popping up every week and yeah, they got, absolutely. they got a bunch of money and they got 20 facilities they got to build yesterday. Yeah. And, and the bigger thing we really hadn't touched on, and I just want to mention it, the real problem with getting the power and not having it is, and I don't want to mention a name, but we were dealing with a customer and they were doing a money deal and they had struggled getting power to certain places. So they were using generators. Well, one large generator serving, let's call it three or four megs at a facility burns two to $400,000 of diesel a month, a month. Wait, two to 400,000? Jesus Christ. There's, there's million, operators out there burning millions of dollars on diesel. There's operators spending over a million a month on diesel because they don't have power. Here's the problem. They go drill all these wells. They can't sit there. That's like building a McDonald's and you don't sell hamburgers. You just leave the door closed. Can't do it. And so getting the power there in a timely manner could mean hundreds of millions of dollars. Wow. So, so that, I mean, if you're not in the market or you're in those conversations, you have no clue. We're talking big bucks and big timelines that people have to adhere to. And, and power is about the most important thing that you got, that you got to have. See, Whaling, you're messing up my thesis that the only reason that the oil business stays in business is because of our diesel consumption. You know, we have to keep producing that oil (laughs) just to make the diesel. So (laughs) anyways, guys, I'm super excited about what you guys are working on. I'm actually going to be researching about the electricity grid, especially Texas deregulation, because I had no idea about any of this. So I'm sure a lot of people listening are going to learn about it. If we have any operators or midstream people listening, where can they find you guys? Which website? They can find us at www.pumpjackpower.com. Okay. And they can find us on LinkedIn. And any once you hear our LinkedIn page, any one of our uh, employees you can reach out to me, Ryan Knuckles, on LinkedIn. Happy yeah. to talk to you and just love to educate you about the process. Awesome. So we'll include links to your website and links to your LinkedIn. So if you're listening, if you want to get some more information, talk to these guys, feel free to reach out. Waylon, Ryan, appreciate you guys coming on the show. We really appreciate guys, you letting us talk. come down. Yeah. Thank yeah, you for the conversation, guys. You bet. Thanks, guys. Go, go, go.